Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A surprise ruling and a big victory for Donald Trump. But what happens now? Tonight on Laura Coates Live. Remember that phrase, no one is above the law? Or how about this one? How does it go again? Let me get it right. If the president does it, it's not illegal. Starting to come back to you now, isn't it? Well, today there's a new one for the history books. A Colorado judge finding that Donald Trump incited really an insurrection or intentionally engaged in behavior and quote, therefore engaged in insurrection within the meaning of section three of the 14th amendment saying he acted with specific intent to disrupt the Electoral College certification of President Biden's electoral victory through unlawful means, specifically by using unlawful force and violence. Something that, well, we were watching the day it happened, January 6th. We fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The judge saying Trump did, quote, everything in his power to fuel anger before January 6th. And if, by the way, he were anybody else, he would have been disqualified from office. But because he was the president, that law does not apply. The judge saying the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban does not actually apply to presidents because the oath the president takes is not the same as the oath for officers of the United States. But that sounds a lot like someone is above something, doesn't it? Almost exactly like since the president did it, it's not illegal. I mean, talk about whiplash. And if you're confused, you're not the only one around these parts. Up till now, we'd heard primarily, I think, two arguments in this case. Not unlike what we heard in places like Michigan and Minnesota, who already decided to keep Trump on the ballot. One of the arguments was that it should be up to the voters, not any court to tell you who is on the ballot. The other argument, since Trump had never been charged with insurrection and there had been no legal conclusion that he actually engaged in it, and there's no reason to take him off the ballot because of, of course, due process and that presumption of innocence that we all hold very dearly. Well, today it didn't seem to come down to the voters' argument, and the judge did say that he didn't cite something. Instead, it came down to what's called a technicality, if you will, If the Founding Fathers meant for the president to be removed by this mechanism, they would have clearly stated that. Instead, they mentioned officers of the United States. I want to dig in more here, though, because the Section 3 actually says this. Who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, they didn't say the president. You see that? It's almost as if, and this is something I've heard a lot recently, there's a two-tiered system of justice. 
I want to get right to Noah Bookbinder. He's executive director for Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, the acronym known as CREW, the organization that also was involved in this very case in Colorado. Noah, thank you for being here today. A lot of you have been following this for a long time. We knew about Minnesota and Michigan, but Colorado was different because they had an actual sort of trial on the merits about the underlying facts of an insurrection. Are you surprised by tonight's decision that he is going to still be on the ballot according to why the judge said so? Well, I mean, I think the most significant thing in this ruling tonight is this uh, ruling that Donald Trump did incite an insurrection by a judge who heard days of testimony, uh, thousands of pages of, of, of um, evidence that was submitted. Um, that's, I think, the most significant thing. This ruling about uh, the president not being an officer of the United States, uh, we obviously disagree with that ruling. Uh, our plaintiffs are, are going to appeal that. Um, that's a, uh, that, that is a legal, uh, strictly legal ruling that the Colorado Supreme Court is going to have its own chance to mm -hmm. evaluate. But the thing that was unique in this uh, proceeding that already happened was that uh, evidentiary hearing with days of testimony, with reams of evidence. And the judge looked at that and found that Donald Trump incited insurrection uh, within the meaning of the 14th Amendment. And I think that's that's the most significant takeaway. Given that takeaway, you say you will appeal. You know, yes. you've, you've got a pretty thin window, though, because, of course, ballots have actually printed. I think it's January 5th, I think, is the date in Colorado. So the window is very small of when you can appeal, have that essentially be resolved, and then the ballot's still printed. Is there enough time to get that argument made and maybe resolved? Uh, there absolutely is enough time. And there is a um, there, there is a legal procedure in place in Colorado to resolve these questions quickly, understanding that ballots need to be printed. Mm -hmm. So it goes, it, it skips intermediate appeal. It goes directly up to the Colorado Supreme Court. In other cases where people have been challenged as disqualified on ballots, not presidents usually, but yeah. um, the Colorado Supreme Court has taken them up very quickly. We expect that to happen here. Uh, so we're going to move quickly. And I think we, we found a lot uh, to be very encouraged at in what uh, came out of, of the ruling today. The fact that, and I know you pointed out the idea there's a, you know, obviously an appellate court, their job is not to relitigate the facts, but their job is to think about the legal arguments being made and do they disagree in some way in the conclusion. The judge seems to have teed up in a way by having a very narrow ruling, it's a long opinion, by the way, but a narrow ruling to suggest it's because he was the president and the language of Section 3 does not contemplate a president. Do you think that the Colorado Supreme Court on appeal, or maybe even the Supreme Court of the United States or other courts that might look at these issues over time, are going to buy that, that it is narrow enough to exclude it, to keep him on the ballot? You know, I think it's been instructive that uh, really uh, top legal scholars across the political spectrum uh, tonight uh, judge J. Michael Ludig, you know, sort mm -hmm. of famed conservative judge, came out very strongly. He was the one in the in, uh, part of the impeachment hearing who talked about right. and wrote the different things and, and came out in the hearing. Yes, exactly. Um, he came out today and said that while he agreed with the factual parts of, of the judge's decision, uh, he feels very strongly that the president is an officer of the United States um, and that that part of, of the judge's decision was was incorrectly ruled. Um, uh, leading conservative law professors, professors Bowden and Paulson, who have studied this in great depth, 
uh, reached the same conclusion. So we think that that there's a, a lot of uh, weight of opinion on the other side of this one and a real shot to, to see that go the other way, um, particularly given that ruling supported in, in so much fact that Donald Trump did incite an insurrection. So based on that, I mean, this is Colorado. There's already been some litigation in places like Minnesota and Michigan. They did not have a trial. Procedural issues kept them from dissolve, resolving it fully. But are you going to bring litigation in other states? Because there are 50 of them. Yeah, well, the first thing that, that we're focused on doing is getting a win in Colorado. And that's, that's going to be the next step. We think we got a large, uh, large part of the way there today with, uh, you know, the 102-page opinion, uh, many, many pages really, you know, of zeroing in on why Donald Trump did incite insurrection, why things like the First Amendment don't get him out of that. Um, and we're going to be very focused on getting to that next point of having him excluded from the ballot in Colorado. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. By the way, why did you choose Colorado? Uh, we chose Colorado because it had a statutory system in place. It had laws that said voters can go to court mm-hmm. to challenge a, a candidate who is not qualified. And you can get into court quickly. And if the court finds someone not qualified, the secretary of state has to remove them from the ballot. So it's got that, that procedure. It's a fast procedure. It's a relatively early state in the presidential primary system. So you can get in there early. Uh, and we had these fantastic Republican and unaffiliated plaintiffs who were willing to bring the, the case and make clear that this is not a, uh, you know, this is not a partisan political uh, issue. This is about people who care about the Constitution trying to protect our republic. A method to the litigation madness. Nice to talk to you so much. Thank you, Noah Bookbinder. Look, Donald Trump's attorney was on CNN tonight giving a preview of how they're going to argue, likely, on appeal. Listen to what they said. We'll argue to the Colorado Supreme Court a lot of the same arguments we made before, which is, you know, the textual and historical analysis of the 14th Amendment, especially, you know, considering the fact that the way our Constitution is set up, the way our republic is set up, is people get to choose who gets to be their president. Uh, we shouldn't have courts striking people from the ballot. Uh, we're also going to you know, fully take on the court's erroneous um, argument that uh, President Trump engaged in an insurrection. We think that's just flat out wrong, certainly contrary to the evidence. Uh, it was a little bit unusual for her to spend a lot of time talking about that. So what exactly happens now? And will that argument work on appeal? That's the real question for so many people. I've got just the guests for that very question. Let's get right to Marcus Childress, former January 6th Committee Investigative Counsel, and Rebecca Legrand, a constitutional lawyer and defense attorney. I got to ask you, I mean, first of all, you've, you've already heard, Marcus, and you heard obviously from Noah as well, um, the January 6th Committee report and the information that was gleaned and really shown to the country and the world was relied a lot by this judge. That was criticized by Trump's counsel because they took a lot of issue with what was presented in those hearings. Were you surprised it was relied on to the extent that it was? No, I wasn't surprised at all. Look, we, were, we trusted our process. We trusted that we went where the facts took, uh, took us. And you heard arguments about bias from our committee and maybe the qualifications of our committee. But there were no uh, assertions contrary to our actual findings of insurrection that former President Trump incited this insurrection. And you saw the judge actually discuss that in her opinion of the reliability of our, our investigation and how methodical we were with that. And, and I think that um, the fact it was a great confirmation of the work that we did here uh, today. And uh, I was happy to see that, sh- that she confirmed it. I mean, you almost had it confirmed. Well, you explicitly had it confirmed by one <laughs> Senator Mitch McConnell right yes. after yes. all the presentation of the evidence 
back after that impeachment. I mean, listen to what he had to say. I mean, he, he was aware and confirmed it then. Listen. The House accused the former president of, quote, incitement. That is a specific term from the criminal law. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. And yet, Rebecca, the holding tonight was that, well, because he was the president, he is not accountable under that letter of the law. That was the holding today. And I, I share Marcus's view that this was a careful, detailed opinion that confirmed a lot of things that, that uh, folks have been arguing about and, and, and held and addressed directly uh, a lot of, of Trump supporters' arguments in a, in a context where there was due process, where there was a chance to cross-examine witnesses, where Trump could put on witnesses and did. So all the due process you want. And after listening to many days of testimony, reviewing the relevant portions of the January 6th report, this judge, judge uh, found this was an insurrection. This was an insurrection and Donald Trump was responsible for it. And those are powerful findings. However, <laughs> the judge also looked at the text of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, uh, which obviously was written a long time ago, mm -hmm. and uh, is inartfully drafted for these purposes, as we might say. So, so she's struggling with this language that was designed for the Civil War, where uh, lots of elected representatives had rebelled, uh, and we were trying to do, figure out what to do with them, but, but the president, Abraham Lincoln didn't. So, so the people drafting that weren't thinking about what just happened here. Uh, that's what makes it a hard question. Yeah. So the judge, I think, carefully analyzed the language. She ended up going with an argument that had been out there, that had been made, I, I heard it mainly by, by former U.S. attorney Michael McCasey, mm -hmm. um, who made pretty much this exact argument. There are strong counter-arguments as well, including, yeah. uh, but, but that's where she landed. Okay. Marcus, I'm asking on that point, I mean, we're talking about the, the validation of having yeah. this finding. But we can't look at it in a vacuum, can we? I mean, he's no. got criminal matters that are happening, including one involving January 6th, right, right here in Washington, D.C., under Judge Chetkin, just to name one, right? Um, the election subversion cases as well, including what's happening in Fulton County. Could what happened today in Colorado have an impact on those? I mean, speaking of the parallel proceedings, I, it was pointed out in closing arguments, but former President Trump argued for removal in the New York case, the New York bank records case. And part of that argument for removal is he's an officer of the United States. Mm. But now in this, he's saying he's well, like, not bingo. an officer of the United States. <laughs> and this was brought up by Noah's team and uh, clearly wasn't persuasive for the court. But I would imagine on appeal, I would hammer that point home because you're making contrary arguments depending on the jurisdiction. Mm. Uh, and so while it may not be expressly stated in the 14th Amendment, Right. They're not being consistent with their with their arguments, at least to the court. I guess you guys say you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Well, we'll see what happens there. Thank you, both of you so much. Marcus Childress, Rebecca Legrand. Donald Trump is on the ballot. So what does another candidate have to say about that? Well, I'm going to ask one. Jill Stein is here next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My next guest has launched an unexpected bid for the White House. Two-time Green Party presidential nominee Jill Stein is seeking the party's nomination in 2024, calling the current political system broken. She joins me for tonight's candidate interview. Jill Stein, thank you so much for being here this evening. We've got a lot to discuss tonight. I'm eager to get your opinion on so many things. But I do want to get your reaction to this Colorado 14th Amendment ruling. The judge saying that Donald Trump, quote, engaged in an insurrection, but will stay on the Colorado ballot. Do you agree with that? You know, I am not a legal expert, and especially not in this area. Um, This is the third case, as I understand it, to be decided uh, in favor of allowing the voters, basically, to either accept or reject Donald Trump uh, on the ballot. Um, That sounds reasonable to me. I tend to err on the side of allowing voters uh, to make decisions. Uh, But again, you know, this is not my area of expertise at all. Well, on that point, that was one of the big arguments that was raised. The question essentially came down to whose decision should it be and should one's behavior foreclose that moment? So we'll see what happens maybe other places. But now to your bid for the White House, because you've you've done this twice before, once in 2012, also 2016. You never cracked two million votes. You didn't receive a single electoral vote. Why do you think the third time will end up differently? Well, I think you can ask the voters why it is that they are clamoring for more choices. You know, when you don't have exposure, when you're not covered by the media, when there are all sorts of hoops, expensive hoops that you have to jump through as a grassroots uh, campaign in order to even get on the ballot. There are all kinds of reasons why independents and third parties uh, have a very steep uphill climb. But, um, you know, the voters are clamoring for more choices. And I would say, you know, who is anybody to tell the voters that they don't deserve choices? This is really fundamental to our democracy, to our rights as voters, and to the integrity of our elections is to have those choices. You know, there has been a lot of criticism about a two-party system for that very reason, frankly, and that when somebody who is not a part of either the Democrats or the Republican Party, they get a lot of criticism. They're accused of being a spoiler vote. In fact, you yourself was accused of that as well, um, accused of having taken away votes from Hillary Clinton in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, where Trump's victory margin was smaller than your total votes. When, when you hear this complaint, based on what you've just said about who has the nerve, essentially, to tell the American voters who they can and cannot have as choices, do you think the criticism has been fair about your entrance into the races? I think the criticism uh, reflects a certain kind of arrogance that the uh, establishment parties own your vote. They don't own your vote. They have to earn your vote. 
And, you know, the the studies and the statistics are very clear that people who voted green uh, almost, you know, uh, almost two thirds would not have come out to vote at all had there not been a green or someone with a green agenda uh, been on the ballot. So it's completely invalid to suggest that those votes belonged to Hillary Clinton. And I think it reflects a kind of arrogance of the uh, establishment parties uh, to presume that voters owe them uh, their votes. And I think that's part of what people are rebelling against now in clamoring for other choices. Uh, it's a record high 63% of voters now who are saying that the two party system has failed them. And, you know, to look at the reality of people's lives now, um, you know, there's a lot to that where you have 60%, over 60% living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. One in four are food insecure. You have 40% of renters who are severely economically stressed. Uh, half of young people are saying that they are hopeless about the future. And in fact, that they feel uh, betrayed and abandoned by their government on really critical issues, including uh, the climate collapse, which is accelerating mm. towards us right now. So I think, you know, those are all reflections of the fact that people are really hungry for more choices and they want a real debate, which only happens when you have challengers on the ballot. And I think, mm. um, uh, you know, if you look I at hear what you. mother Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was going to ask you, but you know, one of the things you you did, you did leave out, which is going to be very top of mind for many voters right now, in addition to everything you just listed, has been the Israel-Hamas war, and um, a lot of voters right now, particularly leaning in. And you have been an outspoken critic of Israel's ground operation in Gaza. One need only comb through your ex um, account to see that you have been very condemning of um, the administration and the American response and the American response and also what's going on in Israel. Do you condemn the actions as well of Hamas on October 7th? I condemn all violence against civilians. Yes, absolutely. At the same time, you know, I think one has to recognize that what we're seeing from the Netanyahu regime now is in a league of its own. And it's really, um, it, it's horrific to witness. You know, you have over 2 million people who are denied food and water and electricity who are being bombed relentlessly for the past month. You know, half of the housing has been destroyed in Gaza. People have had to move to just pack up and walk uh, to safety and they're being bombed as they do. You're seeing the targeting of hospitals and healthcare centers and refugee centers and uh, uh, press offices as well as the press themselves. I mean, it's absolutely horrendous. And we are seeing, you know, uh, Israel now kind of being considered a pariah state. So it's not just that this is terrible for Palestinians. This is also terrible for Israel. And we're seeing countries who have repaired their relations with Israel, you know, including uh, Jordan, one of the few uh, Arab countries who've reestablished relations, who've now basically broken them off and recalled their I ambassadors. I mean, and so, this, is, this is part of the... Israel take. Go ahead. Part of the reason I'd love to have you back on and talk about what you would do, since you're asking to be the president of the United States, what you would do differently to try to stop what is happening. Dr. Jill Stein, we'll have to have that conversation another day. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Good to be with you. Coming up, CNN's presentation of HBO's Overtime with Bill Maher.
Well, now let's turn it over to our friends at HBO because every Friday after Real Time with Bill Maher, Bill and his guests answer viewer questions about topics in the national conversation. Here is Overtime with Bill Maher. CNN. We're here with award-winning media contributor to ABC News, U.S. Today, and The Hill, Donna Brazil, and former Illinois congressman and author of Renegade, Adam Kissinger. Okay, here are the questions that people, uh, any guesses on the next candidate to drop out of the Republican presidential primary? DeSantis. Yeah. I think it's DeSantis. He's collapsing. I think he's next. I what think. happened there? He was doing so well as a, a Florida governor. He was everyone. I advised him publicly. I said, yeah. don't run. First of all, no one's going to take it from Trump. You're right. 44. You could do this yeah. for the next uh, Biden next 40 years. <laughs> you know. His problem is he was, he, was, he was trying to be Donald Trump. His play right. was Donald Trump's gonna fall out you know, with, the, with the case or whatever, and he would be there to inherit that. It was a bad play, because Donald Trump's not going anywhere. And, no. and he has no personality. He's literally one of the most boring guys I've ever worked with. And I, I mean that <laughs> with a straight face. Terribly boring. Well, yeah. I, I think uh, North Dakota Governor Ron Burdum will drop out. I think Asa Hutchinson. I didn't know they were still in it. Yeah, I think well, they, we'll did. No, no, they, they did. Still, no, they did. They did. Oh, they're well, they're not in the debate. But they're not in no. the debate. Okay, right. but then. And, and and then I also believe that Chris Christie has to prove himself, and Vivek needs to just shut the hell up and go home. I'm tired. We all hate Vivek. Okay. It's it's Vivek. Well, whatever. Not that I have, <laughs> whatever. Would you, would you say that about uh, other Donna, ethnic? I'm Donna. Vivek. Is it Vivek Ramasama? <laughs> Ramaswamy? Vive Ramaswamy. Thank yeah. you so much. I, I know, learn but, so much when I come on this show. I know. But <laughs> Vivek? Vivek. Vivek needs I, to I, go home. Oh. Yeah. Look, I, I, I agree. He, he runs it. He, I, just, yeah. I just feel like there's something wrong with everybody refusing to learn to say his name. Vivek. I just okay, feel I there's will... a little racism there. <laughs> there's no just racism. a little. Okay. Vivek, Vivek, I'll say it. Vivek. Okay, all right. I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm just saying. saying just, I'm just saying. Like, I know we don't like him, but you know, just say his name right. You're well, the first like... one I've ever heard say that. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's I not mean, Vivek. Yeah, maybe no, wrong. <laughs> no, it is. It, it is. it is Vivek, because I heard him do a rap, and he said it rhymes with cake. Okay, all right, all right. This is what the CNN audience needs to know. <laughs> all right, are you surprised that the Republican chair of the House Ethics Committee is now pushing for George Santos to be expelled from Congress? Okay, there's another one of your, did you yeah, work? Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, it's... Did you work with him, George Santos? No, thank God. You were, you were, <laughs> he came after me. He came after you, Yeah, okay. But the, the uh, so they're down to whatever it is, three or four vote majority now. The Republican majority is doing nothing else the rest of the year. They'll, they'll have to deal with keeping the government open. Please God, they can get Ukraine aid done. That's going to be really important, Ukraine, Israel, et cetera. But they're not going to do much else. So now you're at a point where a four or a three vote majority is pointless, and he's become a huge anchor. I think even this finally crosses a red line for them, and I think they'll vote to expel him. Mm. He's an embarrassment to the institution oh, yeah. itself. I'm a former congressional staffer, but Bill, when I looked at that list of things he spent campaign money on. I mean, all yeah. the years I run campaign, I never thought I could just take a little drive-by <laughs> to Sephora or get a little, get, look, yeah. get a little and a little lift. He's like the only, he's the only like campaign finance scandal I've ever seen that didn't even try to launder the money through something else. He right. literally just, 
took it, put it in his bank account, and got an OnlyFans. Right. It was yeah, like, what did you do? OnlyFans. Yeah. I mean, Trump wears a lot of makeup, but I assume... <laughs> Well, he does. I mean, he does. I mean, he's always under two pounds of bronzer. But I That's assume That's the natural he... glow of somebody who's already hot. He's gone to hell. <laughs> uh, Adam, as a Republican who stood up to extremists in your party, what advice do you have for Democrats who are trying to combat the far left? Okay, listen, this is the best thing because I... There was a guy, he was a Californian, uh, Dana Rohrbacher, that was like the only yeah. pro-Russian Republican I remember for a while. Him. And people would, I'd take him on in the Foreign Affairs Committee and people would say, hey, just let, you know, he's just one person. He's probably being paid by the FSB, right, whatever. Well, that crazy ends up like overtaking the party. The crazy of, you know, nobody imagined Donald Trump in 2014. You've got to kill extremism in the cradle or it takes over. Because if you, re if you look at your coalition and say, we need this extreme, we need the pro-Hamas faction, or we need the, you know, the anti-Russia faction, or the pro-Russia faction, they end up calling the shots. Because if everybody in this room has a grenade, right, we're all equally powerful. If somebody's willing to pull the pin, they're the most powerful person in the room. And extremists are willing to pull the pin. You have got to be willing, I don't know, pull the pin with them or whatever. You've got to be willing to fight back. Did you ever hear that tape of Paul Ryan Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise talking about uh, Robacker and Trump? Yeah, yeah. Okay, if people don't yeah. remember this, I mean, this is, the fact that this doesn't get more play, I, don't, I mean, this is years ago, but this is on tape. Yep. And one of them says, I think there's two people on Putin's payroll. Yep. That was one of them is Rohrbacker and one of them is Trump. And the, the other two don't go, oh my God, let's do something about it. They say, this stays in the family, right? Yep, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Hell! I told you that's that where was, you go. It went better in rehearsal, but still good. Hell. No, but it is. That is kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Bill, any form of extremism must be denounced. We must condemn those who are marching, saying that what Hamas did on that horrific day was right. We should. Right, immediately of call for Hamas to release the hostages. I mean... Well, we are. We're calling for it. No, it, but it, we it, have it. to demand that. You see people marching on... demand? Why do you think Israel is attacking? Because no, they don't just I'm respond to your demands. I'm talking about people who are protesting. They're protesting, and they're saying, uh, leave they're, Hamas alone. And I'm like, no, Hamas started course. this. It's a cancer. You know, it's a cancer. So interesting. They did a poll of the people who live in the area from the... <laughs> the, the, say, the saying, from the river to the sea, in other words, Israeli Arabs? Yeah. They don't want to live under Hamas. Nope, nope. 77% of them said, no thanks. Mm -hmm. We're living in Israel. It's way better than living under a terrorist group. Okay. Yeah, why don't you teach that at college? Um, okay, what do you think of prominent Democrats like David Axelrod calling for Biden to, quote, get out or get going? Did he say that? Get out or get going? Uh, I believe in a tweet or two and some stuff. Look, mm, people who think that Joe Biden is, is, is perhaps too old, they are right. Perhaps. <laughs> don't, don't spill the water. Something might come out of it. Uh, <laughs> it's not that. It, you know... Everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said, and, I've... And, you know, so, so Betty White lived to be 99. No. Mick Jagger is still 
twisting his ass. Mr. Right. No, I have been the one making that case year after year here against ageism. I always said it's a case by case basis. It's but, a case but by for case. that argument to have teeth, it all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before, do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old and perception is reality, I'm sorry. He's been coming <laughs> out so many times, I can't, I've just lost okay, track. Well, but look how many elections since 2020 but, that he's won. Last week he was counting out and Democrats won. He was counting out a year ago in the midterm. I do not count out Joe Biden, that's all okay, I'm saying. But on the subject of people getting older and they have to adjust, some tragic news this week. Snoop Dogg said he's quitting pot. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I posted a black square. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that, that is, and I remember him sitting right here and me telling him, this is about 10 years, 12 years ago, and I said, Snoop, I love you, and you know we're both pot brothers, but you smoke too much pot. Okay. Yeah, because and he's guess, always on Instagram smoking pot. Right. He doesn't even open up his Instagram until he's smoking pot. Can I tell you, <laughs> the funniest thing about his statement was, I didn't know if he was serious, because at the end of it, he's like, I'm giving up the smoke, and he goes, please respect my privacy in this time. And I was like, Really? Yeah. I was like, well, die? my prediction, my prediction is it'll go the way it went when my friend Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson said a number of times he's going to give a pot, and then it was always welcome home, son. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. You can watch Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday nights on HBO at 10 p.m. And then you can watch Overtime right here on CNN Friday nights at 11.30. We'll be right back. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Elon Musk is losing more and more advertisers on X after his anti-Semitic posts, including CNN's parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery. And this kind of anti-Semitism is becoming all too common, not just on social platforms, but across right-wing media. Here's Oliver Darcy with more. All in on woke. Anti-Semitic rhetoric is finding a home in right-wing media. Since the onset of the Israel-Hamas war, a handful of influential talk show hosts have spread anti-Semitic tropes to their millions of followers. One of the main charges? The disgraceful notion that a spike in anti-Semitism is merely Jewish people getting a taste of their own medicine after supposedly supporting anti-white sentiment, a reprehensible conspiracy theory that has been denounced by the Anti-Defamation League. Any more comments? Take Elon Musk, one of the world's richest men who has supported a host of right-wing conspiracy theories. Musk replied to a user online, publicly endorsing that notion, writing this week, you have said the actual truth. It's not just limited to Musk. Right-wing media figures Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, and Charlie Kirk have also peddled this idea. It is true that some of the largest financiers of left-wing anti-white causes 
have been Jewish Americans. Kirk has also floated the conspiracy theory that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu knew about the October 7th terror attack but chose to do nothing. I'm not, I'm not willing to say to go so far that saying that Netanyahu knew or there was intelligence here. But I think some questions need to be asked. Was there a stand-down order? Was there a stand-down order? Six hours? I don't believe it. Meanwhile, Carlson and Owens have criticized Harvard donors for supposedly supporting anti-white racism, framing them as hypocrites for now being upset over anti-Semitism. Well, wait a second. If the biggest donors that say Harvard have decided, well, we're going to shut it down now. Where were you the last 10 years when they were and that's going for the white genocide? You were allowing this. And then I found myself really hating those people. People that are asking the question is, where were you yeah. as we have endured all of you this? You were paying for it, actually. Right. You were paying for it. You were, you were paying for it. You, you were, were calling okay my children immoral for their skin color. You paid for that. Yeah, and and so why it. shouldn't I be mad at you? I don't understand. Some conservatives have pushed back against the anti-Semitic rhetoric being spread by their peers. Ben Shapiro, co-founder of The Daily Wire, which employs Candace Owens, ripped her earlier commentary as disgraceful during a recent speech. The question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this has been disgraceful. Without a doubt. And she still works my company. And I think she's been absolutely disgraceful. I think that, I think that her, her faux sophistication on these particular issues has been ridiculous. Owens appeared to fire back in a response drenched in anti-Semitism, suggesting Shapiro had opted for wealth over virtue, quoting a Bible verse saying, you cannot serve both God and money. CNN reached out to the Daily Wire for comment and has not gotten a reply. The rhetoric comes as anti-Semitic attacks are surging across the U.S. and around the world. Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the ADL, spoke out against the commentary coursing through right-wing media. Responding to Musk, Greenblatt said, At a time when anti-Semitism is exploding in America and surging around the world, it is indisputably dangerous to use one's influence to validate and promote anti-Semitic theories. Oliver Darcy, CNN, New York. Oliver Darcy, thank you so much. Now from fights in Congress to the chart-topping Christmas hit by NFL stars, the upside-down week that was next. What a week. I mean, it all began with leaked videos related to the Georgia election case and ended with a legal victory for Trump. Now in between, of course, we had one George Santos. At this point, the Ethics Committee report finding evidence he allegedly misused campaign funds may not have been so shocking if not for, well, the evidence. Receipts, purchases labeled for Botox, thousands spent at the luxury store Hermes. And did I mention OnlyFans? I mean, the whole thing is cringy, as my kids would say. But speaking of cringe, did you see this? Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country. That came at a press conference after President Biden's meeting with China's president. Look, I mean, managing diplomacy, it's, it's no easy task. We can all agree on that, right? You work through months of delicate meetings and Secretary of State Blinken's, well, his wince becomes pretty, I guess, understandable. And anyway, it might be hard to keep a straight face in the wild and upside down times that we find ourselves living in these days. I mean, how could you not raise an eyebrow when fights are on the brink of breaking out in Congress? If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. 
You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your solution, every poll? No, no, sit down. It was the person in back who was like, oh, oh, wait, what's happening now? It was happening then. And while the risk of getting tackled in the Senate has never seemed higher, who would have thought actual football stars would be topping music charts with a Christmas jingle? You dirtbag, you phony, you lousy jabroni. Happy Christmas, you ass. I pray God it's our last. Travis and Jason Kelsey, a timeless track for the ages, perhaps. And while we're on the music train, as Bill Maher let us know, no more, well, smoke for Snoop Dogg. He's giving up, apparently, smoking marijuana. Yep. Although, keyword smoking. These are the times we now live in. So you have to ask yourselves, what's going to come next? You got to buckle up because who really knows what will happen next? And we didn't even talk about the elbow to the kidneys of a member of Congress. I'll be here to help you try and make sense of all of it. And even if the soup thing is anyone's guess, I guess they say TGIF, you've been through quite a week. Thank you all for watching. Our coverage continues. See these ice cubes, see these ice creams, eligible bachelor, million dollar bow. That's whiter than what's in your throat. The phantom, exterior like fish eggs, the interior like... Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.